Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. I am so excited about today as we continue this series called Be Rich. And I was thinking about this, as we said last week, wouldn't it be great if just the whole world knew Christians as the most generous, kind, compassionate people in the world? Well, one of the reasons we do this whole Be Rich initiative is we want to practice being rich, not just for this season of the year, but for all year long. And what I hope everybody watching online, which welcome online, and everybody in the room, we all remember, or maybe you've heard this for the very first time, is simply this, that everybody matters to God whether, they, whether God matters to them or not, which is really a phenomenal thing, that you matter to God. And maybe you showed up in this place and you're not sure about faith, you're not sure if you believe, you just need to know you matter to God, even if God never matters to you. And some of you, God matters a ton to you and you've given your lives to him and we're trying to figure out how to live in this Mode. And we believe this because all throughout the scripture, especially the New Testament, you hear that God gave, God gave, God gave his only son that whoever would believe would have eternal life. And in this season, we're just practicing being rich. Now, we call it Be Rich as a generosity initiative because of something the Apostle Paul said. He said, command, Timothy, this is what you need to tell people, command those who are rich in this present world, which are all of you, or almost all of you, I'll talk about that in a minute, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And we just want to practice being rich. Now, I wasn't going to say this, but I walked in the auditorium this morning, and I sat down on the front row, and to my left, there are four or five high school students on the front row of our church. I just want to give you guys a big shout out. And they all have notepads and journals in their hands with their pens ready to write. And I'm telling you, my heart just kind of blew up a little bit, because when I was in high school, the last thing I was thinking about was sitting in the front row taking notes. I was trying to talk to Cynthia in the back row, but that's a whole other story for another time. So I, I just love the fact that we're learning this at a young age and some of us at a little bit older age. I just think Christians should be the most generous people in the entire world. And so last week I asked you to consider that as we had a plan. If you weren't here, I just want to tell you the plan. We have a plan for 100 students in our county. We have heard that there's students that go to our three local schools and other schools that just have some real basic needs. Needs like shoes and socks and t-shirts and coats. And the school just needs some help. The school's doing their very best, but they just needed some help. And so we decided as a church, and we rolled this out last week with you if you're here, to have a shopping day for 100 students on October 23rd and take 4th through 8th graders, which was recommended to us by the schools, that age group, from the three county schools, and that we would provide $175 per student. So they could get their most basic needs met. Pair them up with an adult from our church and help them have a great experience. And what I asked you guys to do last week was to raise a minimum of $25,000. Now if you do the math, um, it doesn't work out to 25, 100 students at $175. But we just know the schools also need just help with their stores of you know health needs and socks and shoes and shirts in our schools. And so we thought if we raised just a little bit extra, just a little bit extra, we could be a benefit longer than just for the next month. And we we're so excited about that because we wanted to help in any way we could. And this is what I asked. I said, would you be willing to give $50 at least to cover 29% of one of the student's shopping trips? 
Just get them partway there. But some of you, we ask to go farther because you have more and to raise a, or give $175 to cover 100% of a student shopping trip. And for some of you, we ask to give $350 for two students. And you did. And you gave. And I was like watching nervously because when you ask like that, especially from a stage and you give it your best you know, inv- invitation for people to join, it's like, I'm not sure this is gonna happen. $125,000 is a lot of money. And we said this, every dime that you give was gonna leave the building. It's gonna go to those students. None of it was gonna be spent on staff salaries at Lifehouse or electric bills or any of those things. And I asked you to be generous. Now, I thought I should let you know what you gave today because we've got to reach this number to do what we want to do, and it's a big number. So do you all want to find out how much you've given so far to this generosity initiative? Do you want to hear it? Yeah, yeah. Remember, we're just trying to raise $25,000, and in the last six days, you guys have raised over $30,000 for students in our church. Isn't that awesome? Oh, my gosh. And I, and I want to say that, that that was on top of what you normally give to our church, which was also very generous because we need both things going at the same time. And I just want to say thank you. I've said this for the last 14 and a half years, that this is the most generous church I've ever been a part of. This church gets how do we give for people that need and how would you give to a mission? So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And just so you know, every bit of this $30,000 leaves our building to go help these students. Now, some of you missed out last week. You missed this whole thing. In fact, you're sitting here going, wow, I didn't even know this was going on. And so we wanted to give you a chance to be a part of it. So if somehow you missed all the hoopla last week, this QR code, um, we'll put it up here. If you take your phone out, turn into picture mode, hold it up, it'll take you to a place you can sign up to give. You can do that online by checking in the chat box. And we would love for you to do that because the more we raise, the more we give away. And it's just a lot of fun to give away to a need. So that was last week. It was all about financial generosity and you can still do that. But today, today I want to talk about being rich, as the Apostle Paul said, in good deeds. In good deeds. Because you know this, you know some Christians that you've run into. And they're really good at being rich in good deeds. And you're like, man, those are some good, good people. I'm so glad they're in my life. I'm so glad they're in our schools. I'm so glad I got to know them. But here's the other side of that. You've run into some Christians. I mean, can we just say this honestly? They're kind of jerks, right? You know some Christians that kind of are buttheads in the world we live in. And you're like, why do you have to be so jerky-ish? Why do you have to be like this? And what I would love for us to do is practice good deeds, So when people see us, we represent the God that has changed our lives. And here's what you know. Once upon a time, 2,000 or so years ago, no one was really good at anything. I mean, people just walked around and it was all about themselves and about selfishness. And it was about might makes right. And if I'm stronger than you, I get what I want. And this is what people thought about God 2,000 years ago in Roman culture. The gods were petty. They just played with humans for their own amusement. And if humans sacrificed enough, you know, if you sacrificed enough grain, enough animals to the gods, and even if you sacrificed people, 
The gods might bless your crops or bless your family, but that's the only way you'd get a God to do anything for you. It was just a terrible world to live in. I mean, you think our world's terrible today. You have no idea what it was like 2,000 years ago. And slavery, slavery was such an interesting thing. It was everywhere. It didn't matter if you were black or white or anything else. Um, To be a slave, all you had to do was miss the payment on your horse, your donkey, your house, your food. If you missed a payment and you owed someone, they could make you a slave on the spot. Just like that, and you'd be a slave. That's how the world worked. And compassion and, and um, gentleness and kindness were just looked at as weakness. And no one was like that. It was just such a crazy world. And then Jesus comes along. I mean, he shows up on the planet and he says these crazy things. He said, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the gentle people. In a world where everything was violence and everything was strength and everything was might makes right. And I get this because I can fall into that mode of I'm strong and so I get my way. Jesus would say to people like me, blessed are the meek and the gentle people. And then he showed them what meekness looked like when he laid his life down and spent time with the lowliest of peoples. And then he would say these crazy things that either he was a liar, a lunatic, or he was telling the truth. He said, if you've seen me, he would say this over and over. You've seen the Father. Oh, this is so important. Now, pull out of everything else just for a second. If your view of God, if your view of the God that reigns in heaven is you know, angry and he's trying to destroy everybody and he's leveraging his power against yours, Jesus would say to you, read about my life. Watch about my life. Listen to my life. And if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what God looks like, you do not have to look past Jesus at all. Because when Jesus showed up on the scene, what was natural was ugly. And you know what's natural in our world. You know what's natural. All you have to do is watch my cat to know what's natural. I'm so ashamed I have a cat. I just got to tell you, for years, I made fun of cats and cat people. And now I have a cat. She's fat. We call her Chungus. I love Chungus. I love her, right? If you want to know what natural is, um, watch my cat catch a mouse. Because my cat will not kill and eat a mouse right away. It'll bat a mouse around for three hours. And I'll have a Pepsi and watch the entire show. I love it. It's a little sick. It's weird. But that's what, that's what nature is like in our world, in this broken world. I mean, watch the Discovery Channel when you know, a lion chases down a wildebeest. It's terribly violent. And that's what nature looks like. That's what's natural to all of us. And then Jesus shows up. He says, I'm going to call you to something different and something better. And that's what we want to practice, something better that we do corporately this time of year, but we do all throughout the year in our individual lives. And when Jesus brought this message, like, hey, if you want to know what God is, all you have to do is look at me, it would drive the religious leaders absolutely insane because they thought they had a corner in what God was like. So Jesus would say, you know, pretty common things, like if you want to honor God, honor the things and honor the people that God honors. To To which everybody would go, yeah, that makes sense. We'll honor the people and the things that God honors. That's fine. And then Jesus would say things like, if you want to love God, you got to love the people that God loves. Now, you know, Jesus came from the Jewish culture. So they were like, yeah, we just got to love the good, godly Jewish people. And then we're all going to be fine. That's who God loves. And then he would say things like, if you want to value God, you have to value what God values. Jesus, now I got a question What does God value? And over and over again, and we'll we'll read this in a second, he would say things like, God values the person to your left and the person to your right. Well, wait a minute, Jesus, that's if they're good people, right? 
or religious people or church good people or Jewish good people or Lifehouse good people or Baptist good people or Lutheran good people. Whatever good people are, people, that's who God denies. He says, no, it's anybody that's over to your left and to your right. And he would look at a guy named Matthew who was a tax collector and he'd say, Matthew, I want you to follow me and I'll talk about this in a second. And later on in Matthew's life, he wrote down the things that Jesus said and he did. And we find ourselves something Matthew wrote right after Jesus gave the super famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount where he takes the Old Testament commands which are wonderful and beautiful but he levers up so much farther than what was given to us in the Old Testament. And he would say, this is what love looks like. For instance, you've heard it say you should not murder, but I'm here to tell you, if you call your brother a bad name, you've committed murder. So don't call people bad names. That's how high he took it. He would say to men and women, but I'll pick on men. Um, Men, you've heard what adultery is, but if you look Lustfully at a woman, man, you've committed adultery. Whoa, 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 Jesus, are you kidding? No, that's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to honor women in such a way that you would not even look at them lustfully. Or you can understand that's adultery. Mind-blowing, that's what love looks like in Jesus' world. Divorce, he redefined divorce. He said, you've heard that whole eye for an eye thing? I mean, I like the eye for an eye thing. I would love for our world to be eye for an eye in my natural self. I'm just telling you, that would work well for me. He said, no, we're gonna be turning the other cheek, people. And it changed the world. But more importantly, it changed my little world because it changed me. And maybe for some of you, it changed your world. So I wanted to read through what Matthew wrote down after the Sermon on the Mount. And it's kind of similar to what we read last week. I just didn't think we were ready to leave it. He goes on after that amazing sermon. He says, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. To which we would all go, but what if they want to take advantage of us? And what if they want to do something wrong with us? And Jesus, no, listen, I'm going to tell you how to be perfect today. Which confused them all. Maybe it confused you. I'm going to tell you how to be as close to perfect as you possibly can be. And that's why I came for you. It's why I gave even though you would misuse it. And not do what you're supposed to do with my love and my forgiveness. But I'm going to tell you why to do this. And then he says this. You have heard that it was said love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Doesn't that resonate with us? Yeah, I'm going to love the people I love. Like my mom, my dad, my kids, my closest friends. Okay, I may not hate my enemy, but I'm certainly not going to love my enemy. And some of that the Jewish people carried out from the ancient Hebrew scriptures. But I don't think God ever told us in the ancient Hebrew scriptures to hate our enemies. I don't think he ever commanded this. And Jesus says, so I'm going to give you the bottom line truth when it comes to the people you like and the people you don't like. And he said, but I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. And I read that as a human being. And I think, Jesus, you want me to pray for my enemies and those that persecute? I'm not a good prayer. Just confess. The church you go to, the pastor struggles to pray consistently every day. But I try every day. And I struggle to pray for my own children. I'm glad none of them are here today. If you're watching online, kids, sorry. I'm trying to pray. I forget to pray for my own kids, right? But now, Jesus, you want to pray for my enemy? Yeah, I want you to pray for those people. Let me just give you some ideas who your enemy might be. You know the kid that bullies your kid at school? They're having a lot of fun over there. That's really great. <laughs> when you were growing up in church, didn't you wish as a kid you were having that much fun? That's just totally fine with me. But that kid that bullies your kid at school, you praying for him? 
That neighbor who never mows their lawn and it looks like a garbage dump over there and you're so mad at them, you pray for them. The head of your HOA association that keeps making you trim your bushes, are you praying for them? Your sister you haven't talked to in two years, the teacher that just picks on your kid or at least you think, yeah, do that. And this is the time where Rome was so oppressive and so awful and they were enemies of the Jewish people. And Jesus said, yeah, let's pray for our enemies because if you follow me, this is where we go and it will change everything. So pray for your enemies. And he said that, he gives you a that, there's an outcome to this, that you may be children of your father in heaven because this is how your father operates when you were the farthest away from God you could be when you were literally God's enemy God loved you through his son not just prayers through his son and here's this brilliant illustration that Jesus he uses after this he said he God his heavenly father causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good the same. And he sends the rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. I mean, I think about the last week in our own community. Remember, it was so hot and it was so humid. And then the rain came and it cooled it off and it watered our yards. And then the other day, it was just beautiful, sunny and 70. And we all enjoyed it. And you know who enjoyed it? Church people and unchurch people. People that think they're righteous and people that know they're not. And God gave that to everybody. Have you ever sat on a beach with a thousand people somewhere in Florida and you looked around and you thought there's all kinds of people and God gave this beach and this sun and this wind and this water to everybody along with the breath in their lungs, the food that they eat, the love and the care of this world and God would say, yeah, just what Jesus said. I give that to the righteous and unrighteous, whoever that may be. We can talk about that at another time. And this kind of love and this kind of compassion was picked up by the early church and it changed the world. And it's so interesting. He says, if, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Yeah, it's no big deal. It's no sacrifice to love people that love you. And I thought about this because I've had some conversations and some good conversations. People are like, hey, with this whole thing we're doing for the students in our county, I had no idea I had no idea there's those kinds of needs. And I, it's just true, because I didn't have any idea until about three months ago, because I just simply was smart enough to, uh, uh, finally to ask. And the reason I didn't know is because I didn't ask. And the reason I didn't know that there are needs in our community is because I just love those that love me, typically. I love my kids, and I love my kids' friends, and they all are doing okay, and I love my wife and my wife's friends, they're all doing okay. But I, I chose not to look across the table across the street to some people that just have some needs. And Jesus is like, yeah, you just can't love those that love you. What good is it? I came to love everyone. And here's a problem, and maybe not as much as it used to, but I still think there's a problem. I mean, we insulate ourselves and isolate ourselves as church people. And if you're not a church person and you witness this, we're trying to do better. Like I got my crew and we're all gonna huddle up and protect ourselves and not let the evil dark world in and we're just gonna ignore what is going on and Jesus said yeah but what good is that because even the tax collectors the worst of the worst people they do that they love their crew that loves them and don't look outside their little circle and we got to do better I need to love my family and my kids and my wife man love your wife love your husband I mean, love them with all you got and then extend out to the people that God cares about 
Because the truth are, we're all kind of rotten sinners, aren't we? You want to count the number of fibs you told this week? Just the little ones, right? But you don't have to tell anybody because they're little things. Or the fact you fudged on your taxes a little bit. Or the fact that you did that thing in college still nobody knows about. And we're all in the pool of darkness together without the forgiveness of Jesus. But sometimes we need to look around and see what's going on in people's lives that God loves. Andy Stanley, I read this tweet. I thought I'd just share it with you this week. It so convicted me. He said, unawareness is bliss. Isn't that great? Unawareness is bliss because I can live in my little bubble and not feel the pain and the heartache for people that are going through it. Unawareness is bliss. And Jesus is asking us to be aware. We can't change it all. We can't turn it all around, but we can help any way we can, even if it's just a little bit. And he goes on. And if you greet, not just love, if you greet, and this word greet in the original language means to honor someone. If you honor only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Well, sure, I'm going to honor the people I like, but that's what everybody does. I'm calling you to something bigger, everybody you run into to show honor to them. You get no credit for this. And then he says something that had to frustrate the religious leaders of the day, and it kind of sends me sideways the first time I read it. Um, He says this, be perfect. Now, pause, we're going to come back to this passage in a minute. Pause. I have been taught my whole life that there's no way I can be perfect, which is true. I can be forgiven. I can never be perfect. Because even as a forgiven person, listen, I mess up, I get angry, I stumble, I do things I shouldn't do, I lose my temper, I'm selfish, all those things. And Jesus says, be perfect. Jesus, what what do you mean be perfect? Go back to this, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And it is not that you can be as holy as God or perfect as God or sinless as God. That's why we need Jesus. And we need Jesus before we know Jesus and we need Jesus after we know Jesus. We need Jesus. That's the bottom line. But I think he's alluding to here. If you want to be like your heavenly father, love and care about those that you love and love and care about those that would be easy not to love. Because that's exactly what your heavenly father did for you. He chased so many of us down. He pursued us. He loved us. And he gave his very son for us. And then do something for someone. Love them in that way. Quote Andy just one more time because it's just been messing with me. Andy said this week in another tweet, he said, it's tempting to do nothing and complain about everything. All right, pause for a minute, pause for a minute. Let's just, let's just get real for a second. Anybody a pro at complaining about everything and doing nothing about anything? All right, don't raise your hand at this. Anybody's spouse really good at complaining about everything and doing nothing about anything? Isn't that great? Yeah, I can, I'm so, I can complain up a storm and it's impressive and everybody like listens and say, Matt, you're, no, they don't say that. They just are annoyed by me, right? And by the way, if you just complain about everything and do nothing, your kids are tired of hearing you complain. And maybe your spouses, maybe your churches. He says, it's tempting to do nothing. Back up, back up. It's tempting to do nothing and complain about everything. As Jesus followers, that option has been removed for us because we're called to do something, not everything, but to do something, to contribute to bringing heaven down. Talked about this a couple series ago, to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth the way Jesus did and push hell 
back down. Bring heaven down and push hell away. And Jesus says, be perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Love those that are hard to love. Love those that don't love you. Do for those who would never do for you and watch the world change or at least watch you change. And just so you know, this offended the Jewish leaders so much of Jesus' time. And if there's something that rises up in you that feels offended by this and you're a religious person, just know, so did the Jewish leaders of Jesus' day. And then they killed Jesus, so go a different direction than that. It's a better path forward. And this is just not morally perfect or sinless perfect. This is perfect in the way you treat people. And this is the idea of perfection according to Jesus. Perfection is doing good for those who cannot or will not do good for you. Now this is interesting because growing up in the church, this is what spiritual perfection was in my world. I was told this all the time. You'll be spiritually really well off if you do good moral things, which you should. And I say this all the time. I hope our people, or I hope Christians are the most moral people on the planet. And then you pray a lot, which you should. And then you read the scripture a lot because you need it. And then you talk, talk in a way that sounds really spiritual. That was a big deal in the church that I grew up in. And at least in this passage of scripture, Jesus would say, listen, if that is your only view of being a holy person, you need to do better. You need to raise the bar. Let me show you what it looks like, Jesus would say. As he healed a centurion, a Roman centurion's servant. Rome was the most hated people in the world by the Jewish people. And Jesus goes, you know what? I'm going to heal this Roman servant and I'm going to call him a faithful man. Maybe the most faithful in all of Israel. And it just, it just frustrated and angered his own people so much. And then he looks over at Matthew, who wrote the passages that we just read. He said, Matthew, you're a tax collector, another most hated person in all of Israel. Why don't you follow me, Matthew, and be one of my closest disciples? Oh, and by the way, you're going to write a writing that will be more read than just about anything else ever in the world. Tax collector, sinner, Matt, come on, you're on my team. We're going for this. There was a woman caught in adultery. They drug her out in the street, mostly naked, all naked. Don't think about that too long, man. That's not good for your mind. And they're going to kill her. They're going to stone her. And Jesus said, hey, I'm not condemning you. And then he says this pivotal thing. But go and sin no more. Because wonderful, beautifully made young lady, I'm not going to condemn you. But if you keep living this life, you're going to hurt yourself and other people. Don't sin anymore. I'm not condemning you. And this is what God was like. And this is what Jesus brought as the image of God to our world. He also invited children. He invited children to interrupt his speeches, his sermons, his teachings. And children were like just worthless in, Jewish, or in Roman society. And Jesus would be speaking and the kids would interrupt him. And sometimes he'd sit down and put them on his lap and said, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Honor children. Don't just discard them when you don't want them anymore. This one bothers me a lot. He ate with Pharisees. The people I love to pick on and criticize because they were religious and thought they were self-righteous or more righteous than everyone else. And he would sit down and he would eat with them and love them. I think that's challenging to me because the truth is, in a lot of ways, I would rather sit with you know, some messed up tax collector than I would a religious elite person. But he loved them too. And if you're not convinced, he loved everybody. He even healed Peter's mother-in-law, which I'm not sure if Peter liked, but Jesus thought it was really important. That will be funny on your way home today, just so you know. Sinful woman comes to him and she weeps tears on his feet and she should have been stoned for it. Nah, she's fine. 
broken people, leprosy would come and he'd heal them and touch them. You're not supposed to touch them, I know. I'm reaching out to people in need. I'm reaching out to people that need to be loved. I'm trying to do what our Heavenly Father is doing for the whole world. And I think, oh, what if we could be like Jesus and we could reveal that there's hope in him to everyone? And I hope, listen, I, I want you to raise your families well. And I want you to steer away from sin. And I want you to be good dads and spouses and moms and husbands. I want that. And I want your families to be strong. But the reason we're strong is to affect the world we're in and follow Jesus and what he called us to be. And what if this was true? What if while we may always be criticized for what we believe, and if you're new to Christianity or you don't believe what I believe, we realize we believe some crazy stuff. We believe a dude died on a cross and rose from the dead. We realize that's something you may want to criticize. That's fine. We're, we're sold out for that idea. But while you may criticize what we believe, we should be famous for how we treat people. We should be famous for the walking down the street and go, that guy's a Christian. What he believes is goofy. He sings songs on Sunday morning and maybe raises his hands or gives his money. That's all crazy, but that's a good person. That's a good man. That's a good woman. That's a good teenager. There's integrity. I want to be married to one. I want my daughter to marry one. I want to have him as my neighbor. I want him in my schools. I want to be around our kids. Even if I never believe what they believe, I want Christians around us because they're such good people. And I hope we can continue to change the reputation of Christians in our world, along with the other churches that are meeting this morning around our community. And one of the reasons we came up with this whole shopping day, remember, remember the plan for 100 students? We, we gave so much money to, y'all gave so much money to over the last week. We're going to take them shopping because there's needs, there's real needs in fact, last week, um, after I got done telling you about the needs, I had some teachers come up to me with tears in their eyes just to thank you. We, we thank you for the help. Thank you for thinking about us. Thank you for thinking about somebody outside our walls. Take them shopping on October 23rd, 4th through 8th graders, all the schools, $175. We're going to raise all that money. Here's the next part of that. We want you to give money, but now we, all of us, the plan is for us to serve these kids. Because we know it would be really cool. We know it would be really cool to say, here's a check, go have at it, do whatever you want. But we want to go past that. On, this, on October 23rd, what we're planning on doing is taking every student on buses to the local strip mall to go shopping. And we need an adult from our church to pair up with every student that goes. And here's why. We want to make sure these kids, and you know, if you're a sixth grade boy, you know he's going to buy the wrong thing every time. So we want to make sure an adult helps him get exactly what he needs. We want to make sure the right sizes, the money's taken care of, and we're going to ask people from our church to do that. But more important than that, we want a student to know that there's an adult in our community that takes some time out of their day just to help them, just to be there with them. Maybe to talk to them about their lives. Maybe just to have some fun, to laugh. But at the end of the day, hey, give them something for the needs in their lives. And here's what I know. It's going to help some students out, but it's going to help some adults out at the same time. 
We're gonna bring everybody back to church that day and we're gonna feed everybody. Now to pull this off, we need a minimum of 140 volunteers, which seems like a lot. And I don't know, maybe I'm gonna say this and um, we're gonna have to scrape together 140 people and hope we make it, but that has not been the reputation of our church. What would be a whole lot more fun and this church that has over, I don't know, a couple thousand people total in it is if we had three or 400 people volunteer to say, listen, I'm just gonna show up. And I, I'll shop with kids. I'll check kids out at the cash register. I'll take care of their, their receipts. I'll cook lunch for them. I'll set up, I'll clean up. But we're gonna put on a day that kids will remember that a bunch of church people cared. And they gave their time, their money, their energy, and their love. And I'm telling you, it may change a kid's life, I promise you. If you come into it with a good heart, it'll change your life. Because it's someone outside your circle. It's someone outside your holy huddle, which are so good to have. But it's someone outside of that. And if you have any interest at all, we're going to go back to our, our QR code and say, you know, listen, if I, if I want to be part of this day, just all you got to do is take out your phones right now. And a bunch of you did this last week, so I hope you do it this week. Turn it to camera mode, go to this, and it'll take you to a place you can sign up. You got to fill a few things out. You get to choose or at least have input on how you serve, but we will make sure to get you in the right spot. And it's going to be such a fun day. In fact, I can't wait to call the schools tomorrow and tell them how much we raised and how many volunteers that are coming along with us. Now, the other choice is, and you're not going to do this, but I have to say this. The other choice is just love to those that love you. Be gracious to those that are gracious to you. Just hang out with your own people. This is a chance to practice getting outside that circle and caring about people. And by the way, go back to the young people that are on the front row and all throughout these buildings. Can you imagine how different the church will be in the next year, five years, and 10 years if our young people lead the way through that? And the best way for them to lead the way is for us as adults to be example along the way. This just might change our community. But I know it's gonna change me and I think it's gonna change you. So thank you for being generous. Thank you for giving your time. Um, I'm gonna pray and I'm just gonna ask you to sign up. If you're online, you can click the little link in the chat box. And if you have no idea how to use technology, the people in the lobby will help you through the next step of that. So let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are magnificently generous with us unbridled generously with us that you gave your son to die on a cross for us when we were your enemies when we were far from you when we did not know you you gave it all so we could help us just to let a little bit of that spill out of our hearts and out of our lives in response to your amazing grace and love in Jesus name I pray amen guys go and be rich